welcome to Not With A Bang, a podcast that we are doing now. Try that again. <laughs> Do you just want me to jump in after that? <laughs> I have a dream. I had the best words. Not with a bang. World, world, world war three. Not with a bang. Under the doctrine of multiculturalism. Go back where you came from. Not with a bang. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards nuclear holocaust. Retreat from the world. Alternative facts. Uh, welcome to Not With A Bang, your audio guide to the end of the world. I'm Lance Turnbull, and joining me, as always, is Pat McCaffrey. Hello, Lance. Well, uh, since we've last spoken, I was back in Adelaide for a children's festival over a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, which was a lot of fun, not going to lie, a lot of fun. Uh, I would say, though, I didn't necessarily connect with the kids as well as I was planning to. Uh, and here's the thing about kids, they don't really have a filter. Social airs and graces are not their sort of thing, right? Uh, so on the Sunday, after one of the acts finished, they were this Bollywood trio who danced to modern, like, techno music, and it was great. And by the end of that act, there were, like, 50 kids in, like, a mosh pit at the front of the stage, which was great. Uh, those kids were aged between, like, 3 and 12, and they were basically moshing, and then disaster. Moshing. <laughs> yeah. 3 and 12. All right, yeah. any casualties? <laughs> well, we'll see, right? Because <laughs> then disaster struck, by which I mean the act finished dancing and I got on stage. <laughs> at which point, about a third of the kids immediately just ran away at the sight of me getting on stage, uh, which is obviously pretty disconcerting. Uh, and they, they didn't just leave either because it was lunchtime. They, were just di- they weren't just disinterested. They were actively scared, right? Uh, and then before I brought on the next act, I said, hey, everyone, to the two-thirds of the kids that were left, would you like me to let you know what's going on at the rest of the festival? At which point, some kid piped up and just went, no. <laughs> what, little shit. And that's the problem. When you're performing to kids, you can't really come down on kids in any way, shape, or form, right? Uh, they certainly didn't laugh when I joked about getting one of the Wilson security guards to evict that child from the kids' festival. Uh, and my follow-up joke about how the Wilson security guard would have had no problems dealing with that child if that child was interned in a Nauru detention center went even worse. Uh, overall, lots of fun. That was not the high point of the Kids Festival. Well, in retrospect, I think your jokes were very funny and congratulations. <laughs> it was so much fun, but just that one moment. Oh, low point for Pat. Um, yeah, so obviously at the top of the show here, we do need to address the uh, troubling matter of Kovfef. What? What is that? I cannot believe the President of the United States would tweet something incoherent. This is unprecedented. I mean, next he'll be tweeting that he's been subjected to the single greatest witch hunt in US history, or say, tweeting just the word, we. Can you imagine? Uh, But with that out of the way, we should mention that fuckheads murdering people for no reason have had a good couple of, bad couple of weeks. Now, the theme of this show is the end of the world. So, standard stuff, like how a giant orange baby with a mystifying haircut controls the second largest nuclear arsenal on the planet, or how science illiterate old men, including the aforementioned giant orange baby, are determined to poison the aforementioned planet until the sea swallows them whole, along with everybody else. He's not so much, he's not so much science illiterate as he's, he cannot spell science. It's not so much the concept <laughs> of science he's not familiar with as just, like, the, the concept of the English language. 
Well, I think we can agree it's both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if terrorism is in our wheelhouse, and also I'm not sure about the etymology of the term wheelhouse. But, I mean, random dickheads blowing up 80 people in Kabul or killing a number of people in London, it, it's not likely to end the world is what I'm getting at. Unless, like, a coalition of Western nations decided to use them as an excuse to wage war in the Middle East, for instance. A, a coalition of the, of the willing, perhaps. Take that, George W. Bush! I am basically Green Day in 2005. Yeah. But where's our Broadway musical, huh? Huh? I'd, I'd settle for off-Broadway at this point. <laughs> Not with a bang. Well, uh, to Brazil, where the locals speak Portuguese and soccer and carnival, but also Portuguese, but also bikinis, and then carnival and also soccer. And linguistically, when it comes to Portuguese, sorry, I mean, when it comes to soccer, the word politician and corruption are basically interchangeable, which was meant to be more a comment about Brazilian politics, but I suppose could just as easily be a comment about FIFA's governance of soccer. Uh, Brazilian newspaper O Globo has reported details of a recorded phone call where Brazilian president Michel Temer authorised attempts to pay a potential witness in a corruption investigation into Temer to keep quiet which does sound bad. Until you remember, the whole conversation was in Portuguese, at which point you remember, it sounds sexy. (laughs) When Batista, who is head of a Brazilian meatpacking company, told Temer that he was paying Eduardo Cunha, former Speaker of the House, to remain silent, the President was recorded saying, quote, you need to keep that up, okay? Which sounds bad and also sexy. And while initially Temer's lawyers claimed the tape had been edited 70 times, and as a result it was unreliable, they now claim they're happy for the investigation to proceed, which leads me to wonder whether the problem wasn't that 70 edits to the tape made it unreliable, but that 70 edits to the tape weren't nearly enough, and that 70 more edits later the tape was finally ready to be used as evidence to conclusively prove the president's innocence. So now when you play that tape, and Batista reveals the payments, and Temer's response is now... I neither know about nor authorise these payments. <laughs> or it's just Temer's audition tape for Brazil's Got Talent, which is him singing a mashup of Pink Floyd's Money, Mo Money, Mo Problems by Notorious B.I.G., and Corrupt As Fuck, which is apparently a Temer original. <laughs> and if you think this all sounds bad for Temer, context is important. See, Temer took over after previous president Dilma Rousseff was impeached over bribery allegations, and Eduardo Cunha was pivotal in successfully impeaching Rousseff. But lest you think Kunar is some kind of political martyr, he himself was in jail because he was accused of stashing about $40 million of bribes in secret bank accounts and of attempting to tamper with investigations into him. Because it seems that he took the lesson, know your enemy, a little too literally. You know, like, how can I fight corruption unless I know what it actually involves? And now, around a third of Temer's cabinet are facing corruption allegations, and the latest evidence alleges that Rousseff's predecessor, President Lula da Silva, who is already facing five corruption trials, received $50 million of bribes, which he has stashed in offshore accounts. Which demonstrates levels of corruption that even the patron saint of corrupt politicians, Silvio Berlusconi, the former leader of Italy, who made billions through corrupt contracts, tax fraud, and embezzlement, and who famously attended the party where strippers were dressed as both nuns and apparently Barack Obama, and who is now doing community service because there is a law that prohibits jail sentences for anyone aged over 70, which fortuitously was passed just before he was convicted, would blush at. (laughs) To give you an example of how shoddy this whole corruption scandal is, in one case, Temer was recorded suggesting Congressman Rodrigo Roca Lurez, 
could resolve an unspecified issue for the holding company of JBS, the meatpacking company. Lures was then filmed receiving 500,000 riyas, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, sent by Batista, and then seen running from a pizza restaurant parking lot to a taxi in Sao Paulo with a black suitcase. And Oglobo <laughs> then reported that representatives for the congressman said he would clarify the matter when he returned on Thursday from a trip to New York. Oh, was that a trip to New York paid for with 500,000 riyas by any chance from a black suitcase? Because I'm pretty sure that taxi was taking him to the airport. And I'm also pretty sure he's not coming back unless he absolutely has to. And all of this comes as part of an investigation into bribery and corruption involving state-owned oil company Petrobras called Operation Car Wash, which first of all is the name of a band I used to be in, but it's also objectively a terrible name for a police operation, because no one wants to be caught in a sting that carries the same name as the operation that earned eight-year-old Pat his weekend pocket money, because it just does not sound threatening enough. And fundamentally, all of this makes me want to walk into the Brazilian parliament and say, Okay, everyone, uh, hands up if you're a Brazilian politician who is not corrupt. Okay, literally every one of you has their hands in the air, so that's obviously fine, but hold on, wait a minute, no, you're all obviously lying. Oh, oh but wait another minute, you've paid $50 million into an offshore bank account in my name, continue to hold your hands in the air, that is absolutely fine. So earlier in the show, we mentioned the horrifying terrorist attacks recently suffered by the United Kingdom uh, with a bombing in Manchester, as well as a van slash knife attack in London. So now we go to a slightly less horrifying story out of the UK, the general election. Now, I'm only a casual observer of politics across the pond, meaning that I can usually but not always recall the name of their current prime minister. So... To try and get my head around all of this election business, I turned to the internet, where a lovely independent not-for-profit has set up a really useful website called Vote for Policies. It's basically a series of multiple choice questions where you pick the policies most important to you and then it tells you who to vote for. Now, I thought this would be a great way to illuminate the key policy differences between the parties. I only lasted five minutes because all the questions were things like, would you rather vote for a party that supports a £100 billion program of capital investment aimed at stimulating growth across all areas of the UK, or a party that vows to complete the HS2 high-speed rail line, build Crossrail 2, deliver rail electrification and expansion across the whole country? So, yeah, I don't even know what half those words mean. Pounds? What is pounds? Now, the tagline at the top of that website is, vote for policies, not personalities. But clearly the former option has been thoroughly ruled out. So, Theresa May. She's the current and future Prime Minister, leader of the Conservative Party, and headmaster from every Roald Dahl novel. In this campaign, the Conservatives are really leaning on their three-word slogan of choice, strong and stable, which is code for, come on, change is scary, we've only been in power for seven years, it's not like anything utterly devastating has happened to this country under our watch in, say, the last 12 months. And given that, I think the slogan is unnecessary because the word conservative already kind of covers that. I'm not sure how stable you can claim to be when you're calling a snap election having just replaced a prime minister <laughs> in the last 12 months. But strong and oh, stable. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, who is not going to win the election. This has been Not With The Bangs, Australian Guide to an Election That Our Audience Won't Be Voting In. The Paris Agreement has been in the news recently. But what is a Paris Agreement? Pretty well, sure that's Paris Hilton's prenup, isn't it? That's just what a Paris Agreement is? Hmm, yeah, that sounds about right. 
Well, the Paris Agreement was a thing that happened like two years ago where like a hundred or whatever countries got together and everyone agreed that we should definitely not allow global temperatures to rise by a maximum warming of two degrees Celsius. Except Syria and Nicaragua, who refused to sign because they were either in a civil war at the time or didn't think the agreement was strong enough, respectively. We'll let you guess which was which. And speaking of not strong enough, the Paris agreements are effectively not binding, with no repercussions whatsoever for any country that doesn't hold up their end of the deal. So, similar to everything the UN does in that respect. And that's why Donald Trump has just pulled America out of the, again, non-binding agreement. This is something that he had promised in his campaign, but I think by this point everyone had just assumed that he'd forgotten about it. He is old. He watches a lot of Fox News. I mean... (laughs) But no, Trump is keeping his promise slash threat and putting America first. He ran on retreating from globalization and now he's seemingly withdrawing from not just the world in a geopolitical sense, but also from the actual world in the physical astronomical sense. And his spokesborgs were asked all week whether or not the president believes in climate change. And they gave very non-committal answers like, I don't know, or you'll need to ask him, or what's a climate, or I am not the Trump droid you are looking for. And it got to this insane point where Kellyanne Conway was asked whether Trump still believes climate change is a hoax. And she responded with, you should ask him that. Yeah, or you could just ask him that. Send him a direct message on his fucking Twitter account because he's your fucking boss, right? And for a long time, it's been pointed out that the costs of inaction in the face of climate change far exceed the costs of action. So Trump's decision to withdraw from the Paris Agreement wouldn't seem to make economic sense, which is confusing until you remember his disastrous career in business and you realise that it makes perfect sense that he's made a bad deal. Of course he has. That is his MO. It's sort of what he does. And then, years from now, his ghostwriter will pull together another quote-unquote book claiming that Trump sealed a magnificent deal for the US while simultaneously eating strawberry ice cream and nailing a hole in one. So, that is another episode of Not With A Bang. Uh, starting the 23rd of June, you and I are both writing and or performing in the leak. Thanks for reminding me. I had forgotten. (laughs) That could have been awkward. Yeah. Uh, which will be airing on the 23rd of June on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) We're so good at this plug business. This is fantastic. Yes. On Facebook and YouTube and cut up into clips on those. Uh, every week from the 23rd of June, we will be plugging it further on future episodes. Every week until we die. Yes, if we die in eight weeks. <laughs> uh, yes, tell your friends about this podcast. Nobody listens to it and we would like some people to rate it on iTunes if you are so inclined and you should be. And give it up to five stars if you, if you would be so kind, uh, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and we'll see you next time. Hopefully I will disappoint fewer children at festivals between now and then. (laughs)